Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. And good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you as the next hour. We'll dive mostly in the world of mixed martial arts. I always say, oh, we'll dive in the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Smidge of boxing, mostly UFC tonight. Of course, reacting to UFC 257, Dustin the Diamond Poirier becoming the first man to ever finish Conor McGregor via strikes. Dustin getting it done in the second round. Uh, it was an artful performance, man. I thought that that was such a great game plan from Dustin. And look, I'll come in here. I told you I thought Dustin was going to win the fight. I picked him. I, I said, though, that he was going to win a, a slugfest decision. I thought that... This was going to be vintage Dustin Poirier, you know, putting his head in the oven and, and let's just see, you know, who can outsweat the kitchen. And really what it was, was just a great game plan that they executed. You know, they gave Connor something to think about early on with the takedowns. Um, and it wasn't even a matter of that. It was super effective of wearing Connor down. I don't really think that was the case, but gave him something to think for, opened up the leg kicks was able to really, really uh, put some damage on that front leg for Connor. We know how important movement is to him, how, how speed is important to him. If you're going to look at uh, a true advantage in this in this fight, you know, Connor having the speed advantage, I think, was going to be one of the big factors. But they, they uh, took out that so quickly. And I thought Dustin, look, there's a lot of talk right now on social media about Connor not looking himself. And Connor not doing this, and Connor, you know, didn't. Nobody likes the respectful Connor. Now all of a sudden, the people who hate, who like this, who who were sick of disrespectful Connor, don't think he can fight the way. Look, guys, he's lost both ways. He's been the most disrespectful thing on the planet, and he's gotten choked out, and he's been super humble and nice, and he's knocked people out with his shoulder, and he's been super humble and nice, and he's been knocked out. Uh, sometimes it has nothing to do with that stuff, and it just has to do with the style of the fighter, and you had a guy here in Dustin Poirier. And I honestly thought, to this though, um, I, I thought that this, I thought that Dustin actually looked like he had uh, a little bit of ghosts early on. If I was doing body language detective, I thought like looking at him early on, I thought you could see the weight of the event kind of uh, hold on him again. And he's big in big events, but he hasn't been at a McGregor fight at that at this stage of fame before. And, you know, wasn't looking uh, before on the Bruce Buffer intros. I can never remember if guys do that all the time or not, but um, I feel like I've seen him give Bruce fist pumps before. So I felt like he was almost trying to block out 
some of the noise. But I thought when he took that first real bomb left hand from Connor and he withstood it, and it was like right, it was right near the center of the octagon, and then Connor hit him flush across the face with it. Um, I thought once he ate that, game on. I thought that that he was. I think at that point knew, oh, I can I can withstand this. I am the different fighter. I am the better fighter. I am the guy that I I said I have been because you can talk it all up. You know, you can you can you can go out here and you can talk about you know I'm a different guy. I'm a different this and I'm a different that. Um, and I think a lot of that stuff is true. I do think Dustin's a better fighter at 155. We've seen proof of that. He has been one of the best lightweights outside of Habib Nurmagomedov. He's probably been the best lightweight on the planet. Um, and you know, I, I think tonight he's proven that I think outside of Habib, like he's the guy he's really, I think tonight solidified himself as one of the greats in the UFC. And I think he's been overlooked so much in his career. I think that, you know, for whatever reason, I, you know, it's, he's too nice. He's, uh, he's not a guy who, who talks a lot of bleep and all that type of stuff. I don't know, but I've found him to be one of the most entertaining fighters on the roster since this move to lightweight. And today he got to have his crowning moment. You know, the one, you know, the, 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 the one blemish of his past, the old fighter that he was. Uh, he got to eradicate. Um, yeah, he hasn't lost to Khabib. Khabib doesn't hasn't lost. So, uh, and 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 we don't know if Nurmagomedov's Madoff's going to come back. But you know, this isn't boxing. I don't I don't judge guys basing on having one loss or one blemish. This guy is one of the UFC greats, point blank. Period. And I and I think that's what was solidified today. I think if you could you could have some questions if he loses to Conor McGregor um, twice in his career, you could say he was. You know, he's really good. I don't know if he was one of the greats. You know, every time he really got to the top, um, you know, outside of maybe a, 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 a cross path with Max Holloway, that he was uh, that that he wasn't quite that next level. And I think he can silence all doubters today. I think that that all ends with uh, with his win over Conor McGregor and being the first guy to put him away. And my God, I got to say, I got to give a shout out. To my guy Dia Davis, uh, I, I sent him a message on, uh, on Instagram afterwards uh, and letting him know. I said, "You're a hell of a sensei, sir." Because you know, the last time I talked to Dia outside of you know just going to his gym at, at, uh, at Boca Boxing District, which I was happy to see get a shout out from John Anik. Um, you know, Dia doesn't like when Dustin gets into these firefights. He doesn't like that he can out crazy everybody and. I think he believes that he can go out and box everybody. The thing that I always marvel with with Dustin is I think that even in the crazy, he's really, really precise and and can still find those shots. But he does take a lot of damage. And today, you know, he took some he took some heavy shots from McGregor, but it wasn't like there wasn't any moment where you were like, "Whoa, this is this is trouble for him." And once he got into that second round, he really got into his – I mean, he was having fun in there. As soon as he hit him, you know, I told you, he took that big left hand, get back into a mix of a combination. He hits him with a check hook, and he starts jawing at him. He's he's the one doing the talking to Connor. You know, they were doing a little bit of jockeying when they were up against the cage somewhat with the with the dumb shoulder strikes that we saw make a, a return, and, and Dustin was almost trolling him with it. And, you know, look, Connor got, got, got a good one in there. Uh, that first round was close. I think most people had it for McGregor. 
I can see it go for Dustin if you if you take the takedown into it because I do think that check hook uh, brought something into it. Um, but the big thing too was he was really putting damage on those legs. I mean that really was. Um, you, you take away Connor's speed, you take away his movement, you take away what really makes him special. You know, Connor is not, you know, he's the one who made up the quote, you know, where he's like, you know, uh, time, timing beats speed and, and precision beats power. It's something of that combination. He's never been a guy who's always said, I am the most powerful striker ever at featherweight. He was, I mean, he was a monster at featherweight. He dwarfed over people. He really, really did. Um, I mean, he he towered over guys like Jose Aldo and Chad Mendez and Dennis Seaver and those types of and Diego Brandao. Like he towered over those guys, and he has a huge frame. And yeah, he was rattling their skulls, um, and he was able to carry that to the Eddie Alvarez fight. Um, but I, you know, he's just not as special. The bigger he's gotten in his career, he's just not. Um, I'm not one of these guys who likes to dump a guy. There's a lot of talk this week. Oh, you know, Connor is is un- almost underrated as a fighter. And you get to a certain point in your career where you're so overrated, it's you know tough to be anything. You know, eventually it'll balloon down to you'll get so many haters that you will become underrated. You know, it's uh, I, I get what people were trying to do, but he was also an overwhelming betting favorite. I mean, you know, he. The, the odds and the money were all... Everybody was backing Connor in this fight. Nobody was backing Dustin Poirier, really, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the eyes of the betting public. Um, and I think in that first fight with Dustin, I do think this, you know, to, to the people who are saying, you know, you don't like the nice Conor McGregor act, I do think a guy like Dustin, that genuinely can get to him. I think that if you made Dustin Poirier emotional, the only proofs we have of this are the Connor fight. And then really one of his lone blemishes at lightweight is the Michael Johnson fight, which was a super personal fight where he got really emotional and he ran into a big shot from a guy who's got a really ugly record, uh, but is super powerful, explosive. And you know, anybody can get caught in this game. So, to that effect, maybe you could say, hey, Connor blew it and he should have played more into, hey, I beat you. I, you know, you're not going to be the same. I'm always going to be this. And yeah, he didn't go that route. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get that Connor great. You know, maybe he just doesn't feel the, the clearly the only guy. And I'll always say this about Connor the only guy that really gets his juices going like that right now is Nermaga Madoff. That's it. Um, you know, everybody else, it's kind of like, who could you build any animosity towards at this point? Um, and where does he go from here? This is an interesting. Uh, this is an inter- interesting spot right now where this division is at, uh, especially with how things played out in the co-main event. And uh, I want to, you know, save more of that for next segment because I want to get into Michael Johnson and what he, uh, into Michael Chandler, excuse me, and what he was able to do. But. In regards to who is the man now at lightweight, I, that look that all depends. I mean, I get, I guess if if Habib is going to fight, I I, I, st- I he said that he needed to be impressed by somebody tonight. Okay, so I guess that's gonna have. I, yeah, I guess I really can't save the Michael Chandler, all of the Michael Chandler stuff in that regard. And that if you wanted to be impressed by the victors and the lightweight fights tonight 
they were overly impressive. Michael Chandler had as good a UFC debut as anybody's had. And Dustin Poirier was the first man that ever knocked out Conor McGregor. Uh, beat him faster than you did. You know, but I get it from Habib's standpoint. You don't want to come back and you don't want to fight Dustin. You choked him out. Uh, it was a good it, it was a good scratch. Dustin nearly got him in a guillotine. Uh, I think the argument, though, would be is we, now we've seen Dustin in a rematch. We've seen him eradicate a person that has beaten him and got the bet- better of him and that he does get better. He does he does take a game plan. He's actually we've seen this actually in a couple regards with, with Dustin in that the Max Holloway fight. Um, he took on, I think, a better Max Holloway and really moved into a place where uh, he and, and really beat him worse in, in the fight that they they, they, they fought each other, uh, more so than when they were kids. Now we've seen him in the Conor McGregor rematch. I mean, clearly flipped the entire result of the thing. Um, and, and so I think that is a decent argument for Dustin Poirier to get a, a Habib fight again. And I had people say, well, this isn't the guy that Nurmagomedov comes back for. I'm like, well... Who is, I mean, is he doing it for money? Like, you know, he's the guy right now. And now, you know, it seems like the GSP thing's dead in the water. So I don't really know who else is the guy um, as far as, as, as far as would get Khabib's jellies going to, to go out there and, and, and to end his retirement. And if that's not the case, then I think we have a championship fight between you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys that actually have an argument for being in that fight with Dustin's the guy. I mean, that's it. He he has to fight for the belt. Uh, and if Habib doesn't come back, is it Gaethje? He's beaten Gaethje. Um, but I'm all for doing that fight again. Uh, Tony obviously is on hard times right now, so he needs to get him win to get himself right. Actually, I think to- Conor versus Tony might be a nice little like crossroads fight that that could be done um michael chandler obviously everybody everybody's gonna be hot in his name he's older now um so i think there's definitely an argument there charles Oliveira. uh i i think i would still like to see charles get like one more before i'd put him actually right there at the top but i wouldn't be upset if they did um but yeah this is you know if they're gonna do a vacant lightweight belt there are a lot of options right now does it you know lose a little juice because connor's not there anymore yeah certainly look if, if we're going to be honest with it like dana white was caught on dana white's uh tuesday night uh looking for a fight series whatever the hell it was and he was already he's like oh could this this fight between you and poirier is uh is trending even higher than you and connor were and so could you imagine you and connor uh what a rematch would do so yeah, Dana's not made any secrets about the idea that he wanted Connor to, you know, what what a win for him would mean and being at the top of the sport again. It's it's huge. He's he's Willie Wonka to this mother bleeper. It's a reason it sold for four billion. Like that's that's the facts of it. The reason the 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 organization sold for as much money as it is. The reason it's on ESPN today. All that type of stuff is because of him. Um. He's that kind of special, and he means that much to the to the sport. I like the fact that he says he wants to come back. Um, and what does that mean for him? Like, where what does that look like? 
you know, the thing with Connor is I, I do think that for him, he's got a lot of fun fights. I think you get fights where I think you do him versus Nate. I think that'd be fun. Um, you know, maybe now that they're both coming off losses, you know, maybe you do Connor versus Mosfidal kind of in just a fan friendly, fan favorite sport. Uh, he said that he wants to run, do like a featherweight type run at lightweight, but when you lose like that at lightweight and you lose like that to a, a guy who you formerly knocked out, I don't know. I don't know what, what how that shifts plans. I think it probably goes to, hey, what's the biggest Conor McGregor fight we could do here? I would say that's probably Nate Diaz 3. Nick Diaz, you know, he, he mentioned that he wanted to get maybe Nick Diaz and him. They fight at welterweight if that's possible. I don't know. I think there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of options. Jorge Masvidal. I mentioned Tony Ferguson if he stays in lightweight. I still I still think that's got some juice to it as well. We'll 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 mull on it. We'll get to some more of that. But I want to get to Michael Chandler's win over Dan Hooker and what that means for the lightweight division and what it means for Michael Chandler. We'll get to that next. Welcome back, Fudge's Fury here on Seven Ninety the Ticket. So let's get to the co-main event. You had the debut of Michael Chandler. Take it on Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker, of course, coming off that uh, pretty brutal defeat to Dustin Poirier. That happened in uh, last June. I remember that. That was on my anniversary. Um, a lot of people thought that was going to be a showcase fight for Dan Hooker. Uh, looked good through the first two rounds, and then Dustin really took it to him uh, in the rest of the main uh, uh in the rest of that bout uh, michael chandler beat him worse michael chandler uh really put it on him i'm a huge michael chandler fan um i was surprised by a couple things today i think we were all surprised to hear uh the b word bellator was uh was mentioned out of bruce buffer's mouth i don't think that's been done before uh to my knowledge i know john anik mentioned it but I'm not surprised by john john's not like one to pull the the wool over fans eyes or anything like that uh, but Bruce mentioning that he was former Bellator lightweight champion, that, sh- that, that shook me a little bit. I think it probably it looked like it gave Mike a little pep in his step. Uh, he is an explosive fighter. I tell you what, I got excited by a couple of things, man. I got excited that my, my you know Michael's out there. I'm excited that Deerfield Beach got a little bit of shout out. My hometown um, where he's now training and uh, was it Sanford MMA is where that whole crew is now. That that place they they they, they move left and right. The the Henry Hoof to the Henry Hoof boys. They're uh they're 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 a traveling MMA circus. They're they're like move Lantana, Boca, Lake Worth, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Deerfield Beach. Anyway, um, so Michael Chandler comes out and and really just uh, hits him with a hellacious. You know, starts starts in the in the midst of the first round. About a minute passes by. Dan Hooker's really trying to go at him with these calf kicks. He's not hitting anything that's really of substance. Gets one onto his his thigh, but not too bad. And I think Michael Chandler just kind of decides, F it. I don't think this guy's going to pull the trigger. Because you could see that he was pretty frustrated in the first minute that Dan Hooker was posturing a lot. And and uh, I don't know if he was finding his range or whatnot, but really just wasn't attacking. So Michael Chandler, he was the one who decided to go attack. Um you know, and hit him with a, a big right hand, a huge left hook. And that was all she wrote, man. Dropped Dan Hooker to the canvas. It was grounded pound from there on out. And it was an explosive, explosive debut for Iron Michael. He uh, got himself a the win you would want him to win. I, I, the, the way you would want him to win. After the way you've seen him compete in Bellator all these years. I mean, look, he's got a win over former UFC 
uh, champion Eddie Alvarez. You know the guy is 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 top quality. Even with his losses to Pitbull, uh, even even with the the weird thing with Primus with his with his foot falling asleep or whatever the hell that was, um, he had the goods, man. He's just too well rounded. He trains with absolute monsters. And I just felt like Michael Chandler was UFC quality for a long time. I understood why it went back. You know, he could have made the move probably three years ago, but I understood why he didn't because I think he wanted to come back. Uh, I think he wanted to come over and he wanted to be a win away from the title, which is essentially where he's at right now. Dana White mentioned it at the press conference that the most logical thing right now uh, with the title, because it sounds like if we could step back, it sounds like Habib's done. That that Habib is the is not going to fight. That he told Dana something to the effect of, "Let's be on Dana. Let's be honest. They are all tip machines. Tip, tip, tip. They beg me. Please don't kill me." And he's saying, "I'm a cut above everybody." And look for for Namaga Madoff. That's fine. You know, everybody who wants to to drag him back into this thing, and I, I, I it feels very similar to GSP. Uh, it's not quite uh, to the level because I think GSP was starting to take on all the killers, and and you could see, I think you could feel guys starting to catch up to him. With with Habib, it feels like, but he was still, but you know, but, but GSP was still on blowish. Well, Habib, he felt like he was getting better. And I think that the thing that's, that's disappointing about us not getting Habib is not that he doesn't want to fight anymore because you want to see somebody beat him or somebody who can solve the mystery. What actually is the, the thing that's sad about it is it feels like he's getting better, more confident with his skill set. He's almost got even more of an aura. I wasn't, and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't like early on the Habib train. You know, I was a little bit like this dude's always hurt. I remember, uh, I, I would t- you know, Alex Dono, who was really one of the guys who got me into MMA. Uh, he was always he was a big he was like an OG Habib fan. But like, bro, this guy's always hurt. Like, why are you why are you so into the the dude with the hat? I don't get it. Uh, so I was late to the party on Habib, and even with like his title round, the guy I beat, I, you know, who did he beat? I'm like Daniel Donaldson, big Habib Nurmagomedov. made off. What has he done? And you know, I, yeah, it took me, I was late to the party. I'm disappointed that I never fought Tony. That's for sure. Um, but that last win over Gaethje, dude, where he, I mean, Gaethje was an absolute animal against Tony Ferguson. The guy that we always thought had the key and not to MMA math it, but he went through just a Gaethje, like a hot knife through butter. It wasn't even close. It was the best we've seen him. Look, you know, cause even Dustin gave him a little resistance Got him in the guillotine. Connor won a round against him. Ally Aquinta went the distance with him. You know, Michael Johnson hit a shot, you know, got a, you know, wobbled him a little bit. You know, this, uh, this performance against Justin Gaethje was flawless, flawless. So I think it's disappointing because we don't get to see Nurmaga Madoff as it feels like he's still in the midst of a prime and there's no real contenders there. Michael Chandler. I think the interesting thing was, did my, you know, did Michael Chandler sh- would he have done enough to earn a title shot? I've heard Habib talk about Michael Chandler. He does not sound very impressed by him. Like he's been very dismissive of Michael Chandler even coming into the UFC. So, and I think I th- it was something to the effect of like, oh, remember how long I had to wait to get a title shot? Michael Chandler shouldn't get a title shot after one fight. He gets a title shot against me. 
something to that effect. I, I don't remember the exact quote from him, but I remember him being very dismissive of it in the uh, in the lead up to Gaethje. And you know, I get it. You know, you know, but I, I think I, I do think that he has a performance like that, and you do have the longevity and the and the, and the greatness that is Michael Chandler outside of the UFC and Bellator. I mean, I'd be into it. I would love that fight. I think Michael Chandler has some tools that could make it happen. Uh, he has the wrestling pedigree. Um, some may argue, you know, is it Gaethje 2.0? I think he's a little bit more willing to be well-rounded. Gaethje, you know, Gaethje has that wrestling background. He never wrestles. You know, he almost, like, was overcompensating for that in the fight with, with, uh, with Habib. So, for Michael... Getting this performance, um, it was great. I, I think that you burst out of the scene like that. I think he had an excellent call. Everybody saw how charismatic he was. Calling out Connor, calling out Dustin, calling out Habib. I think he probably, if he's honest with himself, if I'm honest, I think that's probably, you know, Dustin's probably the last guy that he wanted because, you know, it's the, the least, uh, I don't want to say least marketable because I think it's an excellent fight. But it's uh, you know he's the he's the in the rank of star power he's third and there's you know that's that's just what it is so I think for for him it's gonna be though I, Dana made it sound like that's the championship fight but the interesting thing is Dustin's not into it he said uh, he said after the fight in his post fight media that you can you can basically go you know, kick rocks with your division. If you think Michael Chandler deserves to fight me for the championship, I gotta be honest with you. Like I was really hot on Michael Chandler afterwards. And I'm still, if you tell me the championship is for Michael Chandler, uh, versus Dustin Poirier, I'm still down. I love watching those guys fight. Um, there's some of my favorite fighters to watch. I would say Dustin is my favorite fighter to watch. Uh, but Michael's up there, man. I love watching Michael Chandler. If Michael Chandler wasn't around, I don't know how many Bellator cards I would have watched over the past five years. Uh, that guy was a, a gatekeeper for that entire promotion. Um, and I do think that he's UFC quality. But Dustin was steadfast that he has to get another fight. He is not fighting him. And that the the fights that interest him are Connor for a trilogy fight or Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz one is interesting because Nate is floated both on Connor's tongue and it's floated on, um, and it's floated on like the Nate Diaz thing is always going to be fun because it's Nate Diaz. He's obviously going to be a great builder for the fight. He's got a cult following of fans. You say anything wrong about the Diaz brothers, and uh, you got a whole army of them who are just pissed at you. Um, I'm not that into watching Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier. I'm not. Um, I was into watching Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal and, you know, I thought Jorge Masvidal gave him the business. Um, and I just think that the rivalry is a little bit more hot. Like if it was Connor versus Nate is such a, it's such a, uh, interesting series just because Nate Diaz is kind of the guy who stood up to the boogeyman. Like he's always going to have this place in Connor's history. Um, that's just different. And I, I just think that if you're going to do one trilogy or the other, I would go that route, you know, and to, to Dustin's point, okay. He'd rather, he also, he said that, uh, Charles Oliveira deserves a shot over Michael Chandler does. Uh, so gave a lot of props to, to Charles Oliveira. 
look that that performance and the performances that Oliveira's been putting forth in this lightweight division. It's it's hard to it's hard to knock the guy. Like I said, I, I'd like to see him go against one more primo guy at the top to really solidify it. But I get Dustin's argument. Dustin was basically saying that Chandler's win in the UFC is against a guy that I beat already. Now he did obliterate him. I mean, you know, Dustin didn't put him away. So he did beat him worse. Is that lingering effects from, you know, the beating that Dustin gave to him? I don't know. You know, I think actually it's going to be interesting because I think from him dismissing it, I feel like the fight actually gets a little bit more heat because Dustin could do a whole, the whole act of no disrespect, no disrespect, but you basically wanted to call him Bellator boy. Uh, it was almost like steps away from basically calling him Bellator boy. And uh, I think that's actually going to bring more juice to the fight. Um, and it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting what direction they go. This is the thing though. You know, he says that he wants to go the route of becoming undisputed champion. If they really put down, Hey, you're headlining a championship fight. You're going to be the guy fight. Michael Chandler. Will he really say no? I don't know. He seemed pretty strong about it tonight. Um, maybe they changed their ways of negotiations. Who knows? We'll see what ends up happening there. But Dustin was, uh, you know, listen, Dustin was rightfully feeling himself tonight. I thought he also made a good point too with the, the little, uh, the little, uh, knock on Max Holloway, uh, where Max was saying I'm the best boxer. And I said this last week, you know, Max Holloway is a hell of a boxer. It'd be pretty silly to say that anybody is a better boxer in the sport right now than Dustin Poirier. Uh, I think the only guy that maybe can hold some candle to him is maybe Jorge Masvidal. You, you could argue somebody had another great one that they put on my, on the, uh, the YouTube comments the other day. And it's escaping me. But they had a really good one, too. Uh, oh, well, it's gone. Uh, Steve is another great one, too. But I, I honestly think I think Dustin is, uh, you know, you saw today what his coaches see in him. You saw you saw yeah, last night. You saw what his coaches see in him. You saw this uh, the the ability to make, you know, make his opponent miss and dish out a lot of punishment. You know, he's gone in the realm of normally I'll take some punishment and then I'll dish out more punishment than the other guy gives to me. This time around is I'm going to take basically no punishment or very little punishment. Maybe I'll take one or two, but I'm going to uh, unload a lot on you. And uh, and he turned Connor into a meme. Everybody's, you know, he's replaced Bernie Sanders in the span, in the, in the, in the span of 24 hours. You know, now you're going to see Connor in the background of all, of, of all topics and all things. Uh, other big things from this card. You had uh, Mariana Rodriguez taking on uh, Amanda Hibas. Rodriguez got a TKO victory. Weird one. She basically got two TKOs, TKOs because Herb Dean um, was kind of going to stop it and then didn't. And so uh, it ended up, you know, with Hibas having to take basically two TKOs, two, two, two knockout losses in one fight. But a uh, great performance by Rodriguez to... Uh, to put forth a uh, Juliana Pena too. I mean, so the lady showing out today uh, with her performance against Sarah McMahon. That was a really, really good one. Uh, she beat her via submission and she had a pretty hard call out of Amanda, Amanda Nunez, which is cool. I like, uh, you know, you don't, nobody wants to fight Amanda Nunez. <laughs> She's the goat. Everybody's just like, eh, I guess it's my time. Uh, so to have somebody that eager 
to to get in there with her is uh is pretty cool it's pretty cool from her and uh and all that regard so there was some issues that were going on with the ufc uh apparently with the pay-per-view we'll get into some of that some of the things dana talked about with uh that and some uh, other pay-per-view fights were announced as well we'll take a quick break we're back with more after this welcome back everybody ufc 257 recap conor mcgregor he was beaten by Dustin Poirier, second round TKO loss. Dustin Poirier gets uh, the biggest highlight win of his career uh, right there with his interim championship victory over Max Holloway. He avenges, uh, you know, the most well-known loss of his career and, you know, beats a guy in Connor who was doing all the big talk, was talking about this is going to be his year. All the stuff that you heard the last year, he was repeating going into this year and was able to uh, to finish him in the second round. Just I, you know, I'm, I'm so happy for Dustin. I really jumped off my couch yesterday, happy for him. Um, I'm obviously happy for his coach as well and and, and die and, and all the crew at American Top Team, which uh, which represents South Florida. Well, South Florida represented well last night between uh, American Top Team and and, and Sanford MMA. And uh, whatever you know, modification that gym is going to be, those uh, two gyms, that crew that's been there with Henry Hoof, they are maybe on another crossroads fight with the boys at American Top Team soon, uh, soon again for the lightweight championship. They may be doing a, a whole heap of those because we may be getting, you know, maybe we get Kamari, though I think Kamari's off in Denver now, but we maybe we'll get Gilbert Burns versus Jorge Masvidal. There's a, there's a lot of things. Masvidal actually had a pretty cool shout out to, uh, to Dustin. Masvidal tweeted, let me see if I can get this, uh, this tweet from Jorge, pull this on up for everybody. I'll give you some of the Twitter reaction from yesterday. Uh, I've known Dustin Poirier since his first or second fight in the UFC. I'm so happy for him. He's now one of the best fighters in the world. Um, I remember speaking with Jorge after his win over max and how proud he was. I mean, these guys train a lot, you know, they, 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 uh, they, you know, they're, close weight classes um they were really the guys who had each other's back i mean they got colby covington kind of kicked out of american top team but they they were the ones who had each other's back you know Dustin said he would never fight george because george and him trained to get each other better so i thought that was pretty cool i thought that was pretty cool shout out from from jorge here's some of the other reactions we had on twitter yesterday habib nirmaga madoff here's what he had to say on twitter he said, uh, this is what happened when you change your team, leave your sparring partners who made you a champion, and sparring with little kids far away from reality. It, uh, Dan, he was doing a training in Portugal. I believe that's in reference to with uh, with, uh, Dan, with, uh, with Conor McGregor. So uh, definitely taking some delight in the fact that Conor lost. And... Uh, I think Dana said that this was the second biggest pay-per-view of all time that they've done. And look, it's uh, it does blow up some stuff for Connor. There was some talk that he was going to fight Manny Pacquiao. I was talking about this with uh, with Peter Kahn this week on the on the show, and uh, you know, Peter was. We were all thinking that this was the the route it was going to go with uh, with. You know, it, it sounded very likely that that fight was going to happen. And I, if you're Manny, this is a little bit of an interesting wrinkle because you fight Connor, who just got outboxed by, uh, you know, an MMA fighter. 
the best boxer maybe in MMA, but nonetheless, he got outboxed by an MMA fighter. What do you think is going to happen when he fights Manny Pacquiao in a boxing match? And so, yeah, Connor's invincibility has taken a, a, a bit of a hit, but I don't, you know, I think it it took a hit after the Nate Diaz fights. I think I think Connor is going to have the ability to, if he has the right fight, people are going to want to watch him fight. I do think that he probably has to turn the viciousness on a little bit. I think people may want to see him crank up the animosity a little more. I don't know if he's that guy. That's an interesting one to get part. Um, you know, if I had to say which one probably makes the most sense for for Connor at this point, I guess it's the Nate Diaz fight. He mentioned that he was still interested in it. Uh, Nate's looking for a dance partner. I, I I think that makes some sense. I don't know really what it does for him ranking wise, but I think it's a fight that fans will be into. You know, but. Nate's also a guy like he's lost, you know, he just, he lost to Jorge. So, you know, I don't know how much people will give Connor credit for getting the wins. He needed a, I, I think Connor did need a win against somebody who was at the top of lightweight, you know, beating Cowboy is great. And I love Cowboy as much as the next MMA fan who doesn't love Cowboy Cerrone, but we all know that he beat a guy who was on his back nine. Like we do know this and you know, shoulder strikes and all and beating him in 40 seconds. Look, that's all great. But you beat a guy who had is, be- is way past his best days, way past his best days. Dustin's not. If you would have beaten Dustin Poirier, um, that's the guy right now at lightweight. I don't know if there's anybody better that could have proven Connor. And, you know, unfortunately for Connor, it is a guy that he did beat in a round. So I'm sure there's people who could still take a big dump on that, too. Um, so I think for him, yeah, the Nate fight makes a lot of sense. Tony, I think that would be fun because they're both coming off of losses. Um, I think there's a lot of stake for both guys in that fight for sure. Um, you know, maybe, you know, and if it's not, I, I think the other thing that's interesting though, I do think that if Connor gets a win and, and let's say, you know, Michael Chandler or Dustin Poirier is the guy who becomes champion. Both of those matchups are, are fine for Connor to get back in there to win the belts because him and Dustin are one, one, this one would be for the title and him and Michael Chandler is a fresh matchup. So I don't think Connor's as far away. You know, you're never as far away in mixed martial arts as you think you are. It really takes you to be hammered home. Like you have to be beaten soundly. Like I'll give you an example. Like, Seeing Ty- Tyron Woodley, like his last three fights, and he really hasn't been in there for like 15 straight rounds or something like that. You're like, this guy's not quite the same anymore. Tony, I think, is teetering towards that because we watched him against Gaethje and we watched him against Oliveira. You're like, I don't know if this guy is still what he is. Like, he's up there in age. I don't know if he's quite as good as he was when we all thought he was barn on the best lightweight on the planet. And... You know, Connor, since he's been at 155, it's been, you know, he had the series with Nate, won his championship. Um, you know, and I think some of that, you know, look, some of that has to in history be remembered. Like he was supposed to go up, fight Rafael dos Anjos right away for the championship. RDA pulled out and he fought Nate Diaz on short notice at a catch weight. And lost that fight, did was able to avenge it, and came back in and beat Eddie Alvarez to win the belt. So I think all that should be given props to Connor. Uh, 
I get the whole ride to Floyd and whatnot, but you know, since since then, um, you know, it's tough to judge. It's not a lot of action. It's not a lot of action, and that was one thing that was a big theme this week. It was, or, or was a big theme after the fight was that you know he wants to stay active. He needs to stay active, and 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 I think one of the problems is well, what does the UFC do with him because they are in this spot where. We're not quite sure if we are going to have fans. I think in some places they could. Hell, I mean, look, hey, Dana, I don't know if you know this. Canelo's fighting here in a couple weeks. So I'll get to that in just a second. Canelo's fighting here in in, uh, in a couple weeks, bro. Like uh, maybe bring the hub down to South Florida where the fans are allowed. I'm just saying, baby. You know, you ducked us for so long. Now come down here. He begged me, please let me have my fights here, please. I'm just saying, you know, he's talking about like he's uh, worried about the new administration and all that type of stuff. Sounds like Dana White's ready to move to Abu Dhabi, to be honest with you. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that for Connor, they, they do got to keep him active. How active? When is he going to be back in there? I don't know. I mean, that was a pretty brutal knockout that he took, dude. So I would say probably the prudent thing for a guy like him is to take at least a few months off, like to to not fight until June, July. And, you know, yeah, I think a Nate Diaz fight makes sense. I think I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, as far as the Canelo thing, let me mention that because that was some pretty big local news. You know what? I got to say, I give a lot of crap to uh, to DAZN. And to uh, the boys over there. But I will say, thank you for bringing us so much boxing. That is cool. And we are finally going to get one that is going to be down here. So Canelo Alvarez, it was announced, he is going to be fighting at Hard Rock Stadium on February 27th against Avni Yildirim. He is mandatory for the WEC title. It's Canelo's first fight in Miami. And according to, this is from Cam Wolf, who does boxing and covers the Dolphins, by the way. He says tickets will be sold for fans in attendance to capacity. To capacity. I found that to be very interesting wording. So I remind to believe that if, if 70,000 people want to show up and watch Canelo Alvarez, 70,000 people can watch Canelo Alvarez fight boxing match. Because I think what that's telling you is, nah, we don't think Canelo Alvarez versus dude is going to sell any more than like, What's the most that could sell? Thirty thousand. We can make that work. That's what. That's the way I read it. Because if you're telling me that Canelo Alvarez, let's just say Canelo Alvarez, biggest boxer on the planet, you're telling me if seventy thousand people wanted to buy tickets, seventy thousand people could buy tickets. I find that a little hard to believe, but it does sound like that means a lot of people are allowed to be there. Should a lot of people buy tickets? And that's pretty cool because with these match room and zone ones, they've been closed shows. You haven't been able to go. So that's pretty badass that Canelo Alvarez is going to be here. Yeah, it's not against the uh, the creme de la creme, but you know it's still uh, it's still Canelo Alvarez. He's going to be active, and that's pretty cool. Canelo Alvarez coming to our backyard. I'm excited about that. Um, I'm glad the, the 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 boxing's starting to get rolling here with it. But yeah, and he's apparently as part of this two fight deal, and the suspect is he's going to roll through Yildirim. Um, you know, have a showcase fight, if you will, take care of his mandatory, and then 
fight Billy Joe Saunders. There's Caleb Plant's fight. We're supposed to talk to Caleb Plant on the morning show coming up this week, which, by the way, I should mention tomorrow. Uh, please tune in if you'd like to watch the uh, the morning show. You can watch it live now every weekday from 6 to 10 a.m. on Twitch. Follow us at 790theTicket, 790theTicket, and you'll be able to watch the entire program. So, um, yeah, that's all I just want to mention to you guys. So looking forward to Canelo, looking forward to all that. Thank you to everybody for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. One little mini bonus segment here on the podcast, if I could. Uh, Two things that I want to touch on they announced officially today. UFC 160, which is going to be Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou for the heavyweight championship of the world. Can't wait for that fight. Uh, I think that's a, I think, look, Francis is a guy. He got his ass kicked by Stipe, dominated by Stipe, really had a rocket ship to his back to get to that championship fight. You can't have a better climb to the title than what uh, Francis Ngannou has put forth, but the way he's gone and steamrolled through his competition. So I'm looking forward to that. I actually think that this is another one where I th- I believe, uh, I think Francis Ngannou, my early, my early thoughts are, I think the deer in headlights thing that maybe Dustin had against Connor, I think that Francis had in that first fight with Stipe. And I think he put a lot of damage on Stipe. Like, I don't think Stipe talks the same since that fight. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. The other interesting one is there's a report now because there was a lot of talk of uh, Manny Pacquiao. But while you know we were doing uh, some of the segments, reports came out last night that Ryan Garcia is apparently in preliminary talks to fight Manny Pacquiao. Now he had hinted to something being bigger than Tank Davis this week. He went on a uh, he went on Jalen and Jacoby, I think, and. Uh, Look, it would be pretty funny if, like, all the talk of the uh, the Errol Spences and the Terrence Crawfords, if the guy who comes out of it is Manny Pacquiao. Um, I'm interested to see what what weight class that fight would be at because Manny is a welterweight champion right now. Certainly, he's not very big. I'm sure he could get down to 140 if he had to. So that feels probably where they would cross paths on it. But it's a very it's a very interesting fight from the regard of. Manny's 42, 43 years old. He's 20 years older than Ryan Garcia. Um, It feels a little bit like in a lot of, I I think people will probably draw this comparison. It feels a little bit like when Floyd fought Canelo at 21 years old and, you know, Canelo probably wasn't ready for that fight. Maybe he was 23 years old. He was very young now. And probably wasn't ready for the bright lights and obviously wasn't ready for Floyd's boxing prowess. But, you know, Manny doesn't have those, uh, Manny doesn't have those, uh, you know, those tactical skills from a, uh, you know, I, I guess you, you would just say Manny's more hittable than Floyd is. Um, but the one thing I would say with that, we just saw Ryan Garcia get blasted by Luke Campbell and get put on the canvas. And, you know, Manny's done that to some big boys. Big. And he's fast. And he's powerful. And he's experienced. I mean, 
you know, maybe Ryan Garcia can catch him with uh with with one of those body shots and that that vicious left hook that he has. But I don't know, man. Look, get your money where you can get your money if you're Ryan Garcia. But my initial reaction is that's a huge mistake for Ryan Garcia because if you're Manny Pacquiao and you've toyed with the idea of fighting with Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford, and now you get the opportunity to go fight somebody who's way smaller than both of those guys, or just naturally a lighter fighter than both of those guys right now, um, that's something, man. I don't know. I don't know. I think that smells trouble for Ryan Garcia. I really do. Opportunistic by Manny. Still show that he's gonna go, uh, gonna go whip the young, the the young kid, the young stud. Interesting. It does interest me. I'm not going to lie. But uh, but I think that it, it could be bad news for Ryan for sure. So that was some news last night that came out. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it, see what, what what's what with all that type of stuff and, and where things lie with his lightweight division. Um, you know, Teofimo Lopez, I saw him uh, perusing the streets of South Beach. So uh, bienvenidos a Miami, undisputed lightweight champion. And... Um, We'll see where things end up, man. It's I, this is the thing that's interesting, though. Is they they all talk this big game about wanting to fight each other, but somebody's gonna weasel in there and try and uh, disrupt the uh, the apple cart or some saying like that. Anyway, everybody have a great rest of your week on the podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Download us every single week. Fighters Fury. Boom. That's the show. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.